Hello friends, I'm Vance Rains, Senior Pastor of First Church Coral Springs. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this is a source of inspiration and faith as you grow in your walk with Christ. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. You were here last week. Uh, You know we started a a new series, a brief series, short series, three weeks, uh, that we're calling Life as Liturgy. Life as Liturgy. Really what we're talking about for the next, uh, well, today, last week, today, and next week, is how all of our life is intended to be an act of worship. The whole of our life. Now, we usually think of worship as what we do in here. We come here Sundays, we sing some songs, you listen to me preach, we read some scripture, maybe do the sacraments. We, but we, we think of this as worship. But, but biblically, everything is worship. How we live our, potentially, everything in our life potentially is how we worship. How we parent. Uh, how we spend our free time, if you get any, uh, how you volunteer, uh, how we come in here, how we uh, interact with our spouse or our kids or our friend all of it potentially is worship because worship means to, dis- to declare God's worth. And so everything we do is an opportunity to point to God, to, to, to let our lives be a reflection of his greatness and his goodness. And so we're saying life as liturgy, that worship is a lifestyle. It isn't just the acts that we do when we come in here. And so last week we talked specifically about work as worship because the truth is we spend more time, most of us, working than anything else. And so there's an opportunity for us beyond an hour a week here to spend 40 to 50 hours a week worshiping God in our places of business, in our, in our mechanic shop, our garage, our classroom, our office, our car, wherever it is that you do your work. And, and think about specifically work. Work is the place we get to use the gifts and abilities God has invested in us. That's worship. God, worship is, sorry, work is a place that we get to serve and do something productive. That's worship. Work is the opportunity we have to live according to our Christian morals and ethics and character. That's worship. It's a place that we can have quality relationships where people can see that there's something unique, salty, light about us. That is Worship. Now, you remember last week we said that in the Bible, long before the Bible ever talks about any kind of formal act of worship, it talks about work. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, Adam, put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it. That is, we were made to work. It is, it is part of who we are. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work is what we were created to do. And then Paul takes it even a step further, not just to work, but Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, meaning your work, your rest, your relationships, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So that might mean that uh, you don't earn enough. You deserve to get paid more than you do. It might mean that, that you don't always love every minute of your job. I know, I mean possible. It might mean that your boss is a jerk. It might. But we know that our work is not about 
how much I get paid or not. That's just how I support my family. My work is working at it with all my heart for the Lord. We know that, that even though it's not always fun, that there's a purpose because we're working for the Lord. We know that this boss of mine is a jerk, but thankfully he's not the one I'm really working for. I have a better boss because I'm working for the Lord. Now here's the reality. I know this. Work doesn't always feel like worship, does it? Sometimes work is exhausting. Sometimes work is a pain in the neck. Sometimes work is burdensome. Sometimes work is frustrating. Sometimes work is the last thing we want to do and the place we maybe feel furthest from God. So I want to say just a couple things. I mentioned these last week. If that's how you feel about your work, maybe one is just an, an attitude adjustment, realizing I don't work for this jerk. I work for God, right? Maybe that's all you needed. Or maybe... You're not doing the right work. Maybe you're stuck in a situation where you're really not using your gifts or abilities or you can't feel good about the work you're doing because it's not good work. We talked about that last week. So maybe, maybe it's time to consider a shift in what you do. Or I want to suggest here third today, the possibility is that we're not resting enough. That even though God made us to work, he also made us to rest. That work is worship, but so is rest. And that we have to find a balance. And so today I want to talk about how we rest as an act of worship. Uh, Abraham Heschel is a, a rabbi and a scholar who talked about the difference between uh, work or labor versus toil. Both are words that we use for work. Uh, but work or labor is what God has given us to do. He put us here to take care of his creation, to participate on the ongoing work of creating this world. That is our labor. He gave it to us. It's a blessing. But sometimes work can feel more like toil. Here he's probably referring to the, the story about the Egyptian, uh, I mean the Hebrew slaves living in Egypt, having to make bricks seven days a week, never getting a break from, from childhood until the day they died. That's toil. He says, labor is a blessing. Toil is the misery of man. Anybody miserable? Anybody feel like your work is Toil. Remember last week we, we said it wasn't just that uh, work isn't just what you get paid for. Work, work also includes what you do as a volunteer. Work also includes maybe how you take care of your, your body, your family, your home, your car. I mean, it's everything. Work is everything. I wonder if some of us feel like we're toiling instead of laboring. Uh, study after study says that we're working too many hours. We're not taking nearly enough time off. We're not getting the sleep that we need, that most of us are feeling way too anxious, and so we're taking pills for our anxiety, and we're taking pills to help us sleep, and when we get up, we're drinking extra caffeinated beverages to keep us going until we take our next pill, right? Just to, I mean, there's something, there's something out of whack. It's, it's not in synchronicity with the right kind of balance of work and rest. I want to talk about rest as worship. Now, if you go to the second chapter of Genesis, prior to what I read a minute ago, 15, if you go back to verse 2, it says, The seventh day, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So chapter one of Genesis is, is six days of God creating the entire universe. You get to chapter two, the very first couple of verses, it says he takes a break. The seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. I'm going to come back to the word holy in a moment. But notice, he made it. It is holy. He made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had been he had done now I know you work hard I don't know the work that all of you do but I know you work hard I work hard Uh, but let's just all readily admit that none of us have worked as hard as God did for six days creating the whole universe right that's a big job right even for God that's a big job God created the whole thing six days everything that exists God created and so who could blame the guy if we get to day seven and he's a little tired? Is that what happened? Oh, God, God could have kept on going. God, God is boundless, endless energy. God didn't create the seventh day as a holy day of rest because God was tired. God wasn't done creating yet. God had created everything except rest. And God knew we'd need it. So the seventh day, God rested to weave into the pattern of creation moments to pause, moments to rest, moments to restore. God didn't rest because God was tired. God rested so that you and I could rest when we get tired. Anybody tired? Anybody ever get tired? Anybody live in a perpetual state of being tired? Maybe it's because we're out of sync. We're out of sync with the way God made things. So we get to the book of Exodus. Now, this is an interesting thing. The next time we hear about the Sabbath is in chapter 20 of Exodus when God is giving the Ten Commandments. And so in the second chapter of the Bible, God creates things as they're supposed to be. Rest is just natural part of the flow of creation. If we live with harmony, then we'll be, you know, we'll do the work, we'll do the rest. But we get to the 20th chapter of Exodus and God has to make it a commandment. Why? Because we don't do it. Because we're not very good at it. Because we live constantly out of sync with God's design. He says, remember the Sabbath day. It's the fourth commandment. By keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or your daughter. I wish somebody had told my parents that. Nor your male or your female servant. Nor your animals. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it what? Think about the word holy. Holy means set apart for sacred use. Set apart for sacred use. Think of the words that we use, uh, we we connect holy to. Uh, We have the holy Bible. Now the word Bible just means book. Did you know that? That's all it means. But the Holy Bible, that's a special book. It's been set apart. We say that that God spoke those words. God continues to speak through those words. Uh, There's lots of contractual type relationships. There's lots of informal type of relationships. But marriage we call holy matrimony. It's been set, this relationship's been set aside, forsaking all others as long as these two shall live. It's a different kind of relationship. Uh, Some Sundays we have communion. We call it holy communion. It's just bread and juice. It's a snack. 
not a good snack even, <laughs> right? right? It's, you know, not much, but it's whole, it's set apart, right? It doesn't need to be much because it's, it is much, right? We, we know that. And it says that God set aside one day as holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. God made it a holy day. Day. Now, a little detail. Seventh day. That means Saturday. For the Jews, to this very day, throughout the Old Testament, Sabbath was the seventh day. God established the seventh day of the week as the day of rest. Now, Christians tweaked it. Um, when we get to the New Testament, uh, you see Christians now are worshiping on Monday, on Sunday rather, I'm sorry, Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, why would that be? Because Jesus was raised on Sunday. And so in, in, in differentiating themselves from their Jewish counterparts, Christians move to Sunday, not just so we can have a different day, but because it's a day of resurrection. That Jesus was raised at the beginning of something, a beginning of a new week. And so we have our Sabbath as the beginning of a new week. That's why we do that. Now, the point is not the day. Now, some some people, Jewish, respectfully Jewish, would say, no, it does matter. The seventh day is the Sabbath day. But the point is not so much about the rule. The point so much not, is about Sabbath is not how you, you obey rules about what is Sabbath keeping and what is not. The point is, do we acknowledge with our lives and the way we live our lives that we need rest? That rest is also an act of worship. That, that we need in our lives to find a natural rhythm and flow. Now, now, I want you to think about it this way. I mentioned a moment ago that in the creation story, the seventh day, God wove rest in. Think about the created world. Just think about how this works. So you have the sun up in the sky. The earth revolves around the sun, right? How long does it take to get all the way around the sun? A year. Years divided into how many seasons? Four. Now, it depends on where you live on the earth, right? Different times, it's different seasons, but those seasons correspond in most places to agriculture, right? And so there are certain seasons where you plant seed. And there are certain seasons that you just wait for that seed to grow. And there are certain seasons that you then go out and harvest your crop because now it is time. You leave it on the vine, it'll rot. If you pick it early, it's too green. There are certain seasons of picking and there are certain seasons that you don't do anything. After the harvest comes in, you wait till the next planting season. You let the field lie fallow. You let it rest. Well, that's, that's creation, right? That's the pattern of creation. Now, as the earth is going around the sun every year, every day, it's making little, little spins, right? So it's really going like this all the way around. You know, I feel dizzy already, like, oh, right? And depending on the spin, right, depending on what time of day it is, it's either light or dark. Either the side of the globe is facing the sun as it is now, or later today it'll be away from the sun. And so there is a natural daily rhythm to sunlight and darkness, right? Historically, sun, time, sun was time for work, night was time for sleep. We don't all do that, but that's kind of the way it's designed. Now think about the sun part of the day. In the morning... We pause, we eat breakfast. Now, a lot of us eat in our cars and on the run. I see the guilt in your eyes, but right? 
There's, a, there's an opportunity there. Sit down. Eat your breakfast. Middle of the day. You're hungry. Your tummy's, you know, rumbling a little bit. There's an opportunity there. Not to go through the drive-thru, but to sit down. Again, rest. Eat something. I notice whenever I go to Guatemala, all of us Americans, when we get, you know, have lunch and, you know, we're on the work site, we have lunch, we eat, we're ready to get to work. They wait for about an hour to get back to work. They rest. And by the way, they work for hours longer than the rest of us who are so eager to get back at it. Always, always. Dinner time, again, opportunity. Pause, eat, rest. It's in part of every day, these moments of rest. Think about night when you're sleeping. Did you know you go through cycles in your sleep? Deep sleep, light sleep, REM sleep. Your body's cycling, 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 giving you the rest that you need. Think about every day. So we're going around the sun and the earth is going like this and we have darkness and light and we're taking these pause moments and you don't even realize that through all of it there's stuff going on in your body. A rhythm just keeps happening. If your heart starts going like this, what do you do? You go to the emergency room. <laughs> AFib, right? Healthy heart pauses. Right? You don't have to think about your breathing most of the time, do you? Did you realize that, that when you exhale, you didn't even know you did, your body pauses, rests, until you need the next breath? Right? There's just this natural flow, right? This natural. How many of us are tired because we're living against the flow? Right? And Sabbath, I want to say, is woven into this. That God intended, like, work hard six days. Live in the flow of what I did. And then take a day to worship. Take a day to regroup. Take a day to rest. Now, one way of resting that's a little more hardcore is a vacation, right? Getting away. Now, not every vacation is restful. Um, I choose restful ones. This week I was away. I, Kelly and I went on a cruise to the Western Caribbean. Wonderful way to, for us to relax. It was good. Uh, one of the things that was unique about this particular uh, cruise was that there was a, um, a salsa band on the, on the ship. And so every night we would get, we'd go to the uh, little salsa club and we'd listen to salsa music every night. They were great. And I don't know if you know about Latin music, salsa music. What, what makes it unique is the rhythms, right? There's a particular kind of rhythm to salsa music or to Latin music. And there's particular instruments that you play to make those particular sounds. One of them is the bongo. Uh, the bongo, did you know that was a bongo? Uh, bongo actually consists of two drums that are connected. Uh, this is called the macho, which means in Spanish, the man, right? This one is called, the, the bigger one is called the hembra, which means the woman. <laughs> I don't know why, ladies, and I don't know why I just told you that, but it's just... <laughs> Now, uh, if I invited you, the band, we like, we, need, we really needed somebody to play today, so we're going to have you come up and play the bongos in the band. Unless you played the bongos, I'm willing to bet you would just, right, like, maybe you wouldn't know what to do. Now, just start banging on it. Or, or imagine putting it in front of a three-year-old, right? Right, what would they do? Um, but, if, but if I just let you take it home, you know, and play with it, you might start noticing there's different sounds. Or if I hit it different ways, it sounds different, right? Or there's different things I can do with it, right? I can play it faster. Or I can just play it slow. Right? 
Now, what you probably just focused on were the sounds I was making. But the only way you have rhythm is a combination of sounds and rests. In fact, if you were looking at music, you would see there's a little squiggly line in the staff. It's called a good rhythm isn't what a three-year-old does. Good rhythm has some rest in it. You ever notice when I preach every once in a while, I just stop? You ever notice? You ever notice that I get your attention better when I stop? Then when I keep on talking, I keep telling you everything that I want to tell you, right? It's called a pregnant pause, right? You think, well, he's not saying anything. Pregnant means you're full of something. It's because sometimes it's in the silence, sometimes it's in the rest that we find what we need, right? There's moments I need to stop when I'm preaching just to let you think about what I'm saying, right? Life is like that too. Martin Luther, the reformer, said the spiritual rest which God particularly intends in this commandment, meaning the, the, the Sabbath, is this, that we not only cease from our labor and trade, but much more, that we let God alone work in us, that we do nothing of our own with all our powers, meaning we need moments just for God. That's what he's saying. Wendell Berry, the poet, says, Sabbath observance invites us to stop. It invites us to rest. It asks us to notice that while we rest, the world continues without our help. It just keeps going. It invites us to delight in the world's beauty and abundance. And the one more, Dallas Willard. The command is in Sabbath, do no work. Just make space. Attend to what is around you. Learn that you don't have to do to be. That means you don't have to work to exist. You, you can just be. Accept the grace of doing nothing. Stay with it until you stop jerking and squirming. You ever feel like your whole life was about jerking and squirming, right? You ever notice how hard it is to just sit, sit and be still? That's because we're conditioned to keep moving, 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 moving. We need moments, right? Now let's just be honest. Most of us aren't very good at this, are we? Most of us are not very good. And, you know, we're like, oh, I, I take a day off to, you know, do this or that. Yeah, okay. How many of us take days off where we're real, whole day focused on God? A whole day to refill our souls. A whole day every week to refill the empty parts of who we are to rest. Most of us aren't very good at it. I mean, let's admit, most of us, when we think about Sabbath, it's coming to church. And we do that in about an hour, hour and a half. And then we get on about our busy lives. The invitation is to, to do more than that. And, and hear me, it's not about obeying rules. It's not about, well, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do that. Somebody asked me, what about gardening? Am I allowed to do it? I said, do you enjoy it? She said, well, I said, no. <laughs> well, I enjoy parts of it. I said, well, then do those, right? And then the other day, do the part that you don't enjoy. Because Sabbath isn't about the rules. It's about, does this give me life? Does this refill me? God made the Sabbath because he knew we needed it. I love this passage from Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you. Does that speak to anybody? Anybody feel weary, burdened? 
And I don't even think he's talking about Sabbath here. I just think he's saying that this is the heart of God, that I don't want you, I didn't make you to wear yourselves out. I made you to live life in a balanced kind of way. I meant you to be whole people, not stressed out, exhausted, not sleeping. I made you to experience life as I created it for you. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're like, yeah, right. I haven't felt a light burden in a long time. Well, maybe it's because it's not from him. Maybe you took that burden on. Or maybe somebody put one on you that's time to take off, right? He cares about you. His burden for you is light. Now, now, listen, I get Sabbathing is hard. Life does not cooperate very well with living Sabbath as a lifestyle. I'm fully aware it's hard to get here every week. I'll confess something to you. If you didn't pay me, I might not be here every week. I, I get there's other things to do. There's days that the, you know, the weather's good and the bike is calling. I mean, I get it. I get it. There's days that, you know, you're working in this season of your life. You need to put in some extra hours. I get it. Accountants, tax season's coming. I get it, right? I mean, it's just, I know. I, I know that your kids have activities. I know that some um, of us have jobs that you've got, you know, nurses and, and, uh, and, and firefighters and police officers and law enforcement. I mean, you have to work weekends. I get it. I get it. But let me just say a couple things. I, I think if we give in completely to that, so we just, we just Sabbath when we can, we just make it to worship when we can, it, it begins to shape us in a particular way. I think he commanded us to do it because we don't do it by our own. Uh, we, 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 we have to do it because the world isn't going to tell us to do it. And so I want to encourage you, if, and with all within your power, when you have the opportunity to work on Sunday, don't. If you need to communicate with your boss in some way, I'm sorry, I'm just not available on Sundays. And I know there's a price to pay for that. I just, I just encourage you. And, and, and parents, I know I've said this before, I know there's a lot of activity and you don't have a lot of control over it, but I would encourage you, I would encourage you to say no to things on Sundays or all your kids' activities because what we're teaching our children by all the activities that happen on Sundays is that worship is something we do when it's um, convenient. Worship is something we do when there's nothing else, right? That I... I if, if you want God to be a priority, we have to teach it as a priority. And one way to do it is Sabbath. Sundays, that's God's day. Sorry, we're not available. I know that's hard. I would just encourage you to think about it. Let me make some other suggestions, okay? If you can't make Sunday your day of Sabbath, I encourage it because worship is part of it. I think it's a good option. But I work on Sunday, so Monday's my Sabbath day. Find a day in the week that works for you. A whole day and use it in a Sabbath-like way. Does that mean that you can't do any chores around the house? Do you like them? <laughs> do you like them? That's your, I just let that be your thing. Does it feel like I'm working right now, or does it feel like I'm doing something I enjoy doing? Let that, let that be decide whether you do it or not. Um, one whole day a week. Now, because one whole day a week is hard, let me also encourage you to carve some time out every day. Some Sabbath time into every day. So for me, every day, 
Um, in addition to Monday, every day, first thing out of bed, whatever time I get up, first time, first is it's God's time. Now, I take that back, first time is coffee time. Uh, then I go and I, and I meet with God, and I journal, and I read, and I read scripture, and I pray. Somebody got after me in the early service, goes, well, I, before I, my foot gets out of bed, I pray. And I said, well, if I did that, God wouldn't know I was talking to them because it's unintelligible. But whatever, right? Maybe it's before you go to bed. Maybe it's at lunch. Sometime every day. Give some time to God. Let me encourage you uh, to develop some soulful hobbies. Find some hobbies to do. Maybe you like gardening. Maybe you like knitting. Maybe it's fishing. It's golf. Not just an activity, but something that just when you do it, you feel alive. I think that's, I think that's a way of Sabbathing. You don't have to do it on your Sabbath day. Do it whenever you can. Go spend, uh, go, go jog if that's what you enjoy doing. I don't understand it, but go do it. Okay. And then let me finally encourage you. I think there's value to some sort of annual retreating. Now, it might be a vacation, but I, if you vacation anything like us, oftentimes you come back from a vacation and you need a vacation. You know what I mean? You know, we go somewhere and then you don't want to miss out on anything, so you go, 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 go. I think at some point in every year, we need a little time away from our normal life that isn't exhausting. Maybe it's going to a cabin. Maybe it's going to the beach. Maybe it's going camping. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a mission trip. Sometimes mission trips are, are very restorative. Maybe it's a, something like the, the walk to Emmaus, a spiritual retreat. Maybe it's, it's one of our men's or women's retreats. I don't know. Something where you just get away, focus on God, and refill. Notice what I just did. There's a pattern there. One day a week, some time every day, some time every year. To just get in that pattern, that habit, that habit of habit of, of worshiping God through rest. I found this quote by C.S. Lewis. He's not talking about Sabbath, but I just think it's an interesting idea. So just follow this. He's talking about kind of every day how we spend time with God. He says, it comes the very moment you wake up each morning. So think about like first thing when you open your eyes in the morning, think about your state. Woke up, maybe it's the alarm, maybe it's the kids, maybe it's the dog. I don't know what you wake up. It comes the very moment you wake up. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. You ever feel like you wake, you wake up and all the things that you got to think about and do, like just right there, right? Minute, minute you open your eyes. And the first job, listen to this, the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, right? He's saying the first thing every morning is you get bombarded by the stress of the day. All the things I got to do before I get the kids out of the house. All the things I got to do when I get to the office. All the things that I got to do before I go back to bed tonight. He's saying, take a moment, push all that back, and let God have at least those first few moments. Well, I think that's what Sabbath is too. Push all that back. Could you fill a day with activity? Of course you could. Are there a ton of chores you need to get done this afternoon? Of course there are. Push them back. Give God that space. Let that quieter life come flowing in. And so on, he says, all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings, coming in out of the wind. There's the fussings and frettings, pushing them back to give room for God. So here's what I just want you to leave with the idea today. Life is meant to have a particular rhythm and flow. 
Life is meant to have a particular rhythm and flow. And if you don't include rest in that rhythm and flow, you're going to get out of sync, right? I heard, I heard Monica talking to the band before they started. Well, she goes, let's just all stay together, okay? <laughs> that means they're all playing the same tempo, right? They're all playing the same notes at the same time. Let's, let's just keep it together, right? right? That's pretty good music theory. Keep it together. <laughs> right? You ever notice sometimes when we're clapping along with the music, we don't all do that very well? Right? We, get out of, we got out of sync. I, I think a lot of us live way out of sync with the natural flow and rhythm that God established. The only way you get into the natural flow and rhythm that God established is learning how to Sabbath. If you, if you feel like your life is out of, out of sync, out of flow with God, it might be because you're not Sabbathing very well. It's a gift. It's a gift. He made it for you. It's, part of the, it's woven into the fabric of who you are. Work is worship, rest is worship. Let's pray. And so, Lord, there's something in us that that just doesn't believe that. There's something in us that resists the idea that it's okay just to sit and be still and quiet. So, Lord, help us to loosen our grips, help us to to, to sit down our to-do lists, help us through the discomfort of just sitting and being quiet, indulging in your presence. Help us to learn how to do that. Help us to Sabbath. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about First Church and our ministries, visit us online at We Love First dot church.